You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. The Fox and the Phoenix podcast is now a proud recipient of two 27th Annual Communicators Awards, garnering audio and podcast distinction for individual episodes in the categories of society and culture and diversity and inclusion. I'm Savannah Hawk, cross-dresser and author of the Living with Cross-Dressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hey, Savannah. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. I look forward to this all week. Me too. And actually, I apologize for uh, making us run later. I blame both uh, Daylight Savings Time, that change when we're recording. That apologies to all our people. And also, I met uh, a couple today at Starbucks. I met them somewhat between Spartanburg and Charlotte. Uh, they are two listeners of the podcast. And I was uh, had the pleasure of meeting Johnny and Angie today. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love when we can put a... A face to, a face to the listen. I don't know. I don't know how else to. <laughs> well, I I got to see their faces and I got to see me and it was, it's a, we definitely have topics that we can draw from from the conversation I had with them. Um, I'm excited to talk to you off air about that so we can develop. But yeah, it was just a really beautiful couple hours to spend with them and commune and kind of like feel and hear their struggles and, and triumphs. It was, it was just really just joyful. You have been so lucky to be able to connect with a couple of listeners and to really be able to draw from the stories that you have in the community and the story, the feedback you get. I mean, that's the stuff that's the mm-hmm. heartbeat of our, of our show. And I think because it is the pandemic and I have not been able to be as connected in that way, um, California feels very strict and limiting and my fear is is high when it comes to actual mm-hmm. physical connection um i appreciate i appreciate that you go out there and you get to talk to the peoples at least <laughs> at least one of us is right you will too i mean they did they did say to say hi to you um hey, it, hey and yeah it's you will i mean because obviously there's some west coasters out there too it's not just people on my side of the world so you're definitely going to be meeting the fans and the the listeners soon, 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 soon dream. And, but by the time this podcast airs, I picture, you know, vaccines for as many people who want it. And I, I picture a much different scene. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I am very excited about today's topic and episode. I've been looking forward to doing a Q and a, if you mm. will, a question and answer session, uh, bridging that line again between the listeners and us and really connecting it and making it a a group chat. Mm, Um, So I collected a bunch of really awesome questions. Thank you for everyone who kind of participated and gave me your questions. And I hope that we can answer them. Uh, I'm excited because I don't know the questions. I mean, I know you gave me stuff and I read it real quick, but I haven't put any thought. I want to do this on the spot as we go and and just, yeah, just from the heart. So I'm very excited to uh, do this. And yes, to all the listeners who have not heard it on the podcast, Julie has been a huge advocate for wanting to do question and answer and just, um, you know, work with our listeners. And at one point in our future, we're going to probably do a live stream where maybe we can get people to ask us stuff, you know, real time. So that's in the future for us. And maybe by the time this podcast airs, we might have done one by then. So, what? yeah, it's exciting. So those are the those are the things we're looking for, and this is just the the seed of uh, all that. So I'm very excited. And I like you. I I well, for me, I copied and pasted and copied and pasted from from different listeners, but I haven't really, you know, formulated my answers. So right. like you, all my answers will be from the heart and off the cuff. Okay, so we're going to start out with a few questions that are kind of for both of us. Okay. All right. You ready? You ready? I I am ready. Okay. What do you think is the biggest mistake cross-dressers make when becoming the girls they want to be? Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, let's start off with a softball. Right. Um, <laughs> um, the biggest mistake, um, there's so many different facets to this because we could talk about a mistake they make while getting dressed or the mistake they make and what they assume they need to be or once they're out. I think maybe it's okay. My answer to this, because I think it would cover all those bases. I think the biggest mistake cross-dressers make when they want to be the girl they're becoming is the assumptions they make in terms of what they should be. Hmm. I mean, I think we have a lot of ideals. We have a, a lot of very ultra feminine concepts we want to achieve for femininity. And I think a lot of it is like we, we either over glamorize or over epitomize this feminine veneer in a way that's not really truthful to who we are. But I do know it. sometimes you have to make those mistakes to find yourself. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think a lot of times people say, I need to look this way, this specific way, and then come to find out, it's like, well, that's not really who I am at heart. It's really more of, I thought that was what I was supposed to be, but in reality, I'm really this other person, this other feminine spirit, and I need to express myself in a different way. So yeah, I think sometimes we our, our eyes get too big for <laughs> our dress, maybe. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that very much. You know, really understanding yourself, you know, understanding your body type and how to work with your skin tone. Um, and this is for me, I'm picturing the cross-dresser that's kind of wishing to be seen out there in the world, wishing mm -hmm. to put them out on social media, wishing to be visible in some way. Um, I, I do think it's really important to get a sense of who you are as well as, you know, understanding the kind of style and fashion rules when it comes to dressing your male form, feminizing your, your physical body type. It's much different when you have this image of this hot, I look 17 kind of pornish visual of what you would like to look at. So I can imagine when you, you know, you're all dolled up, you buy the clothes from Forever 21, you do <laughs> that kind of stuff. And then you get out there, whether out there is in front of the mirror or whatever it is, it's going to involve some major kind of dysphoria. It's going to involve some major low self-esteem because you're, you're drawing from a totally different well. You're not drawing from the well that is you and your heart and your skin and your age and your body type you're drawing from a well that is very this kind of it almost looks pre-pubescent right you're or fantasy very, yeah or fantasy and so i would recommend just the question is what do you think the biggest mistake is when becoming the girls they want to be focusing on who the girl who is the girl that you are who lives inside rather than who are the girls you see on the memes right yeah yeah, and just one final point on that is, um, whole, I think that mistake can extend to the fact that you see those girls on the memes, you see these very successful trans women, makeup artists, and they have you know these gorgeous portfolios on their Instagram, and you're trying to emulate that versus emulating the best part of who you are. Right. So like just being true to yourself and, and making sure that you're not trying to be somebody else or, or being dysphoric or being disappointed that you can't reach that level that you want to be at, at day one. Yeah, that was a great question. So thank you. Um, they go on to ask another question, which is super important. And that's what advice would you give to a crossdresser who is scared about going out in public? Do you want to take this one first? Or you want me to take this first? If you have something to say about it, I'd love to hear. I talked about it today with uh, the couple I met. And we, they, one of the biggest fears that the spouse had was, you know, well, what if you go out to a bar and four drunk men are hanging out on the, the patio and they see you and they want to beat you up. And that's a huge, huge fear from both a partner perspective and a crossdresser perspective. So my biggest advice for a person who's scared to go out is pick your place, be confident in that the destination you're going to is safe and uh, supportive. Um, go with friends, you know, that you can have a little more kind of strength in numbers. 
your safety is the single most important thing you can do. So I think that if you're scared to go out, that fear is, is it's going to be with you until you breathe through it and walk out that door. But you should have a plan. And the plan is I know where I'm going. I know who I'm going with. I know the area. I know how to get there. My car is full of gas. Um, I did the best I can with my makeup and how I, I look. Got the mace. I got, <laughs> got the mace. <laughs> so yeah, safety. Be be prepared. And if you're prepared, then it should go a little more smoothly for you. I agree. Safety is is number one. Um, as you were speaking, I kind of wrote some notes underneath the question, and that I wrote community meetup group, wing woman, Mm. you know, I think that in the times of COVID, there is a couple of things going on. There's not as many kind of events. There's not as many meetup groups and maybe connecting in a social way is limited. That being said, we know from looking at Facebook that it is still happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that the most successful kind of ventures out is when you have your kind of wing woman and you're with someone who may be more confident than you are, who has experienced what it's like to leave for the first time, who has developed, you know, a, a little bit further than you are on the journey. I think that masks, the fact that we're all in mass or not, but we should, we should be in mass that, especially for folks that have a sense of, you know, the euphoria piece masks can be a really huge asset to you right now when it comes to feeling safe and going out and not feeling like you're going to be clocked, targeted, bullied, um, masks or something that can, has proven to be a, a transitioning transgender female or, you know, cross-dresser heading out, really greatest friend. You know, it's kind of like the the new makeup, if you will. <laughs> That's um, true. So you got your mask, you got your, your partner in crime. And I think that if you're able to protect yourself as best as possible, you will have a better experience than just putting yourself out there alone. Right. Agreed. Especially yeah. at night. Oh, especially at night. And how many cross-dressers start off at night you know a lot of a lot of them are night dressers and they they want the cover of darkness which is kind of a double-edged sword because you have the cover and safety and kind of dimness of the of the evening to kind of mask any imperfections of who you are and maybe flaws that you might see about yourself but also at night is where you have more risk and more people who might be drinking or more you know, predatory, you know, people who might mug you. I mean, there's the safety in the daytime, the daylight, while more safe, also has the problem of like, well, you are in stark contrast in the sunlight. So people may prefer to be only going out at night. But yeah, having a wing woman, that's how I started off when I I came out again, my my second iteration of Savannah, as I had Victoria she was my wing woman and Marisol, she was my wing woman. And we went out and went places that were friendly. And, and Victoria went inside 7-Eleven with me to get, so I could go to the ATM. You know, those were things that were scary. It seems silly, but it was scary for me to go in as Savannah. And she was right there alongside me to go do it with me. Perfect. All right. What is the most important, this is a good one. What is the most important item a cross-dresser needs before growing out? And I wrote a friend and then I wrote mace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like you've already answered those questions pretty well. Um, man, I mean, it depends on who you are, right? I do know people who go out with a um, cross-dresser in a box. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> this is um, one of my cross-dressing friends in New York when they were kind of doing most of their dressing outside the home, they would actually prepare their entire femme experience and have it in a big Rubbermaid container. So it was nice. it. So it was in the car, so they could change into their femme persona, and it was all in the box. Now, what a lot of people may forget to do is have those change of clothes in case something happens when you are out, so you can go back to male mode. Uh, I know some people who are not totally comfortable with being out will forget to have a pair of jeans or a pair of sweats or uh, makeup wipe removers. And all of a sudden they're caught dead to rights in their femme persona without a way to get back into the house. Yeah. Unseen. 
so I would say if you are not out publicly or if you're still concerned about being caught, let's say, I think one of the most important things you should have when you're going out is that change of clothes into mail to get back into mail mode in a way that you can kind of be you know, kind of undercover and unseen and, and blend back in so you can <laughs> safely get back home. Yeah. I was thinking clothes in the bushes. <laughs> like when, I, <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, I really wanted to rock these like Doc Martin boots. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, my mother would be critical. And in reality, my mother would be cr- critical and be like judgy or whatever, whatever I feared. Right. So I, I kept the the pair of Doc Martens like in literally behind a bush and then I would just like <laughs> you know bye bye you know leave them for school and then I would literally change into the the Doc Martens and leave my kind of little I don't know what they were top siders I have no clue kids <laughs> non-edgy shoes I would just swap them out and then before I came home I would like swap them out so like the same kind of thing but like make sure you're aware as a grown-up like where the sprinkler is like don't just like leave the clothes and I well I guess if you keep them in like a you know a container a of some sort bag or yeah container to worry about that but like I don't know be aware of where the like outside cats shit <laughs> Oh my God. Hey, uh, that story reminded me of a story I've never told you. Yes. And this also has to do with like kind of hiding what you're wearing, but this is a um, teenage angst story in my life. My favorite. I know. Um, You remember in the eighties when all the big glam hair bands were wearing bandanas all over their bodies and adorning themselves with different colors, you know, like poison and rat and Motley Crue. So I, (laughs) I was going through some weird phase that week and I had like a pair of white jeans And I wanted to wear a bandana at the base of my pant leg, but above my high top sneaker, kind of be this little cover over my shoe. Mm -hmm. And it was just going to be on one leg. And and so I I put it on and I came upstairs and mom was like, you're not wearing that out of the house. So I took off my bandana begrudgingly and stuffed it in my pocket and then went out and put it back on. And then went to go pick up my girlfriend and it's like, oh yeah, let's go. And she's like, oh, I want to go meet your parents. You girlfriend. I did. And I was like, I went, well, I went to the bank and I felt very cool about my bandana uh, wrapped on my leg and then went to pick up my girlfriend and we were going to go meet my parents. And for some weird reason, I didn't realize my mom was going to be there. So now I'm wearing, <laughs> so now I'm wearing the bandana as I'm coming home with my girlfriend. It got very awkward and I left again. And um, so I came home, my, my, I got yelled at for leaving the house and doing it behind their back. I was devastated. I was devastated that my fashion choice was so outside the normal and so terrible to get yelled at for it. Oh, and then God. I spent like an hour downstairs crying. Oh, and my dad came downstairs and said, well, you know, cause your mom said not to do it. And you still did it anyway. And I actually, that was probably one of the only times I ever cried in front of my father. Mm. And it's one of those moments that until you mentioned the Doc Martens, I had totally forgotten about it. You just put a bandana. I, I think it was like, verse. yeah, yeah. I think it was, I was, it was like, oh, you know what it was? I know exactly what it was. It was one of those bandanas. Like it has like the Chinese writing on it. So it had a black oh. edge around it with like a grid pattern in the middle and Chinese writing. Edgy. Yes, it was very edgy. Apparently too edgy (laughs) (laughs) for the mid 80s. And uh, yeah, I felt like I couldn't even be me. And it it was, yeah, I was kind of devastated about the whole thing. That's the thing, like when it comes to experimenting or exploring and or expressing a side of you that's totally new and different, you put yourself and putting yourself out in the world, like these, these examples are so full of shame. Like there must be so much PTSD that comes with, you know, whether it be a crossdresser and your wife or girlfriend catches you or simply putting anything on that's beyond the social norms. You are 
laced with these memories and these triggers and these traumas that are literally living inside you in a cellular way. Mm -hmm. So unless you do some sort of EMDR, some sort of trauma therapy that literally kind of zaps them out, they go with you, they move with you and they're reactivated during other times in your life where, I mean, it could be as simple as your girlfriend pointing out back fat, or it could be as simple as you trying out it. I know, sorry. It could be as simple <laughs> as you trying out, trying out a new look for yourself. So you're putting yourself out. It's very vulnerable. You're being creative. And in the back of your mind, whether you're aware of it or not, there's that shame that yeah, made you cry yeah. at a very early age. I'm sorry. No, thank you. And I want to make that one distinction and what you had just mentioned, because yes, that back fat episode did happen to me. But uh, the difference, the, the difference is when my girlfriend said, hey, you know, you got a little back fat, you know, kind of rolling out under that dress and it's very visible. That's helpful. That's helpful. That, But the problem is all those that triggering that you mentioned from the early age and a kind of indoctrinated cell membrane memory was still with me. So I didn't take it as constructive right off the bat. I actually had to get over that trigger to realize, oh, she just wants me to look my best. And she's just pointing out things that I might not have seen for myself. Consider the source, I guess, is yeah, also- thanks, Judy. <laughs> All right. So now I'm going to get into questions that are specific to myself or to Savannah. All right. You got your questions? and we're going to I do. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is for Savannah. Wait, what's her name again? <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> okay. If you can go back in time to change any one thing or tell yourself something, what would it be? Oh, so, so I'm going back to talk to my younger self. I would tell my younger self, I would tell my younger self that it's going to be okay. Mm. I mean, it, it's... I wish I could put all the the confidence that I've gained being who I am and put it into that younger teenage, early 20 self and, and know that everything I'm doing is perfect for me. It's right for me. It's not abnormal. I would like to just, just shear away all those misconceptions that I had about myself and just say, look at who you are going to become. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's um. while I don't hold a lot of shame for who I was, you know, and, and thinking I was a, like a, an abomination as a child, I didn't really think that, but I knew that I was alone and I knew that I was like isolated because we didn't have the internet. We didn't, I didn't have people around me that were people I could point to and, and lean on for support. So I kind of just muddled through, right. but, but to, to know that I could go back and say, it's you are perfect just the way you are and you're going to develop into a wonderful, you know, cross-dressing person or whatever it's going to be. Um, that would be what I would say. Yeah. And I think that what I'd say to your inner child is the part of you that is different and unlovable and shameful and that you are embarrassed of and you were told to fit inside a very small box in a very, you know, dark corner of the closet, that that part of you, that beautiful treasure, that part of you is going to be your gift to the world. And it's going to be the one thing that you are meant to do. It's going to be that healing, that healing magic wand that helps so many other people that are in your sim your same situation that are also with you in that dark corner of the basement. And just to keep on going and to keep on just loving yourself through all of the pain because it's going to make sense someday it really mm. really is yeah i would say so i said if i knew if i knew then what i know now so yeah, no one asked for my opinion but i get it sorry <laughs> it's all good but i have a question but i have a question for you okay. do so you? i do it says it right here it says for julie dear julie yay that's me that's you what brings you the most joy about helping us cross-dressers i think just to kind of piggyback on the question that was asked before I think anyone who felt different or unlovable or 
hiding a part of themselves and their gifts and have gone through the kind of trials and trauma um, knows how to reach others and knows how to understand others and use empathy in a way that is powerful and transformative. And I think for me, because the cross-dressing experience is meant to be locked up, hidden, what gives me the most joy is to be able to reach people who are in shame and just say, you are beautiful. And to slowly turn on that light. And cross-dressers have been so open and warm and willing and have allowed me into this very private, very sacred space. And I am just so, so thankful that, that I have been chosen. I honestly feel chosen to do the work that I do um, and to help a cross-dressing man get in touch with their femininity, the most vulnerable part of, of their humanity. It's so healing and it feels so loving and it, it feels like something that is truly needed in the world. And I don't, I met a lot of different kinds of people and amazing people whose purpose it is on this planet is to do, you know, a wide variety of different types of things. And I think the fact that I was able to find this community, a community that I get, I understand so much of your pain and your story. And the fact that I get to make things just a little bit easier and to help the community feel beautiful and feel respected and valued, it's it's everything to me. It is everything to me. So, and you're yeah. everything to all of us. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, um, I think we spoke about it a little bit off air that, you know, I, it, it hurts. And when I spoke to Johnny and Angie today, we spoke about resources and we spoke about people who can be of value and be of support and be of resource and information and education for cross-dressing men and their spouses. And I feel that you in the work you do, which is so holding the heart of the cross-dressing man and the partner, if need be or warranted or wanted, and the work that you and I do together is something that we're, we're just trying to bring the normalcy and beauty of our community up to the forefront. And just even like, just breaking down this question, getting a little more specific in terms of the power of Fox and Hanger and the power of and what brings me the most joy about mm -hmm. that experience. And the most, it is the most joyful for me to get to go on this journey with someone and to show them what is possible within their femininity, because they come to me in a very broken place, figuring out that there's no way that you can transform me into someone that that sees themselves as confident feminine and beautiful and so to be able to create this lookbook and get the kind of feedback pictures of them in the dress and their female persona it brings me it brings kate and i so much joy we can't even measure it well like you like i said you bring fox and hanger bring you and kate bring an amazing service to the forefront and i'm happy and honored to be even associated with you. Love you. Love you. <laughs> okay, Savannah. Yes. Not very heavy. This is a lighter question. Okay. You wake up on Fantasy Island and... Well, first, there'll be a little uh, guy saying, look, boy, the plane, the plane. That's old reference for people who probably don't know. Hmm. It's... <laughs> It's not even end up like I'm trying to put avoid putting way too much thought into this. I mean, I think I would love to like wake up one day on Fancy Island just for the again, just for the day. I would love to just like be able to experience a feminine form for real. Yeah. You know, just you know, because the one let's say I'm on Fancy Island, obviously we know they got beautiful oceans and beaches. I'd like to be able to wear something a little less covering than a, a, a high top one piece. I don't know. I think I would just, I just want to experience my femininity in a way that is honest to the female form. Mm. And just kind of experience that day, like go on a beach, wear a bikini or tankini, um, 
I don't know, go shopping maybe like for some beautiful clothes and get ready some, for some big dinner or like out dancing. I don't just kind of like have like a, maybe a spa day. Like kind of have like this whole like morning to midnight experience as a woman that just is grand and and just overtly feminine and and then just to bask in that and then just have that as that memorable experience. And if then, you like pedia coladas, <laughs> and, you're hairless and free, <laughs> and your tits are shining. And you've got the perfect V. Nice. Well done. I was wondering how you're going to pull that out. That was good. That's uh, pretty damn good. Um, it's tough for me because, again, I talk all the time about I would love to be a shapeshifter and just wake up and be able to change shape and be my feminine Savannah without all the extra work. And I think if I want to extend that into a fantasy island motif, it's just like wake up for that one day and be that 24 hours. And just experience it and then go back to go back to the wonderfulness that is still Chuck. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Do you have a question for me? Well, let's take a look at what's on my docket. Uh, <laughs> so this is one as for the both of us, but it says here, what has been your biggest highlight working on a podcast? Ooh, I like that one. Uh, the Fox and the Phoenix has given me and us the opportunity to work with the cross-dressing community on such a large scale, on such a global scale, and to put something out there in the world that is really needed. The lack of resources for cross-dressing men is just, it's, I just can't. I'm just, I'm pissed, <laughs> I'm pissed off about it. Really. Yes. And you ain't going to take it anymore. And the fact, the fact that we can be a part of this change and supply an outlet and to be friends to cross-dressers that really need it and feel very much alone is such a joy mm. to be able to show up with you, someone who I have grown to love dearly, someone who makes me laugh, someone who I can really kind of spar with um, is just such a joy to my life. And to be able to hear from people all over the world is just phenomenal. I, I think that last week you were we were messaging and you were saying something about maybe it was like it could have been two days ago, whatever it was. <laughs> you were saying that this is a part of our legacy. Yeah. This, the Fox and the Phoenix is a part of our legacy. And that right there just makes me feel so fulfilled. And for so long my biggest fear was not reaching my potential, was being so scared of, I mean, realizing that I have all these different talents and ways of thinking and, but that fear was kind of my, my Achilles heel, so to speak. Mm. And then meeting you and connecting and going on this journey and birthing this podcast and, you know, the fact that we have all these episodes to come that are already edited and ready to go, it just feels, it felt effortless, which shows that it was like totally faded and meant to be, but it feels like every day I walk with my heart filled, knowing that I'm doing something really important with my life. Uh, you know, I can't top that. <laughs> That's an answer. I don't even know what I said. because It I was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing as art and just it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful i have to echo everything you just said which is we bring to bear our hearts and our minds and our experiences and we laugh together and we tackle difficult subjects together and it is yeah like you like we said previously it is our legacy and while i did not wake up one morning saying i want to have a legacy I realized that it was meant for me, even though I didn't know it, this was meant to be done. It was meant to be done by us yeah. in this tandem. And so if there's a highlight, it's almost like the highlight that I see that I enjoy most is kind of like what you said, that we have stuff going into the future. We have all this stuff is happening and we're part of it and we're grinding in the, you know, the recording and the editing and coming up with the ideas and, and tracking our potential and how well we're doing and what are we going to do next? 
that's all like it takes work. It takes work and it's the day to day. But when I look back on this in 10 years, well, we're on episode 500 or whatever it might be, right? This, this is, that's my highlight. My highlight is being able to look back on this and realize this was exactly what we were supposed to be doing. Remember what I asked you, are you proud? Like, do you listen? And you're just like, so proud of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I'm always proud of the body of work that we put out. I am always proud. And I feel like to really own and honor and say, I feel proud of myself. It's been a long time coming. That's all I have to say. Like I deserve to feel proud of myself. I deserve to have you and to, for us to be in each other's lives and to just, just be a love letter to a community that is so, to me, mysterious and so, um, you know, living, living in the, living in the shadows, someone else's dream. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) I forget where I was going with that. Love, love letters to the audience. Yes. Yes. Uh, for a quick note, I don't know. I haven't read through the rest of the questions, but I do want to throw this in as a little um, tidbit. Julie and I listen to these episodes in a completely different way. Now, I listen to the episodes quickly after we record because I do the editing and I hear it a couple of times over and then I put it away for months and then it gets scheduled to be launched. Whereas Julie doesn't get to hear herself again until the day of release. So Julie is listening to the episode, the same as all our listeners. And, and unfortunately uh, I've been remiss because I, I do have a lot of other podcasts I listen to. So Julie's like, did you listen? Did you listen? Did you remember that part? And I'm like, well, I, yeah, well, I'm going to listen to it next, but I'm listening and to that the noise. Like that in, my inner child is like, oh, but we need to talk about it. And you need to know what I'm trying Like to me, suddenly our, you know, tandem, because she's my best friend and my gay friend and my sister and my brother. Like, like all these relationships that we have it, it rolled up into one. Yeah suddenly we're totally separate during the moment where I want to like watch the show and discuss or yeah, watch it together. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like read the book side by side. Oh my God, (laughs) that part. Let's, (laughs) let's analyze the shit out of it. Let's do what we do. Right. Right. Stand. I'm trying to respect your process. And at the same time, like what lately you really have been listening. I listen to the episode when it comes out, unless uh, it has been, upended by an earlier episode because I'm basically going backwards. I'm listening yeah, I to like epi- I listen I'm listening to episode eight. I'm waiting to get back to episode one. And once that's done, I've listened to the entire library and I will be on point with you every step of the way after that. Not really, because as I'm moving forward, you're just getting like to the through the library. No, but like I even listened to this week's episode that I launched. Because I which... made you. <laughs> and then I encourage you to do it again with Judy. I'm like, wait, why can't you sort Legos and listen to us? Which Actually, it feels like totally weird and narcissistic and like I'm obsessed <laughs> with us because I am like I will curl up like if ever you feel weird for curling up with like our podcast and just listening, I will fall asleep to it too, listeners. She does. She does. <laughs> That's absolutely the truth. So when we get the the stats in for how many listens we've had, <laughs> like I need to review what a unique listener is and I think that means like an individual person because I really like when it says total plays like I think that I'm like you I might be know. you might be 300 of them yeah, it's hard to say exactly <laughs> which what, what I don't know if it's a question but which one is your favorite I know you love the Thanksgiving episode I love all of them but I love I love the New Year's one. Mm. I I do love the Thanksgiving one. I they're all so different and like you said, I'm listening to them for the first time. So right. really in months. every time I listen to it, I pick up something else. And it's so weird because you remember at the start of this process, and I really want to get back to the question. <laughs> I told myself I would not go off on some, you know, tangent with you, but um, yeah, good. Sweet. Thank you, ADD. I told you <laughs> <gonna> say. <laughs> Well, I just want to say one thing before we go into the next question, is, which is I did listen to the semi-decent proposal episode, and I will say I've never laughed as much or had a smile, a, a stupid grin on my face 
for as long as I listened to that episode. It was like a non. Oh, geez. It was hilarious. It just, it was so absurd, but yet so on point. And you were so funny as always. I think I'm just funny because you, you are funny. That's my opinion. I loved it ear to ear on that episode. I loved it. I loved it. But I loved it too. And we are in a very, whether it be a thick, you know, political climate, like with lots of trauma. And I mean, since we started this podcast, we have been kind of, at least for me, the joy, the sunshine in a very dark and anxious time. And I'm a dark and anxious person by nature. (laughs) Like, I love that shit. I'm like, so Daria, la, 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 la. Like Quinn's cousin or something. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. She's so like, whatever. I don't know. She's just so dark. And I think for me, whenever I can appreciate the lightness about myself, it's better for everyone. (laughs) But like, it really, I don't know. It's this burst of sunshine in my life. And you and I could literally stop time we have we need to get back to the question we do we do i'm where were we we well we're on apparently on question eight and that's one for you to me yeah i want to sorry i'm still laughing about before whatever i'm thinking about the indecent proposal or semi semi decent proposal and i was thinking about what when i asked you like if you have like hair on your toes (laughs) and i think i said i'm not a hobbit (laughs) And then I said, you don't have beards on your <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's another thing is our littles love each other. Like our, whether it's our inner middle schooler, that mm. would be just cracking up as the teacher, like we'd always get in trouble or whatever. Yeah. Like we're making up for lost time. That's a good point. I never thought, but yes, our juvenile, our inner juveniles are definitely in sync for sure. Okay. Back <laughs> to the, back to the clipboard at hand. Okay. I want to ask Savannah, what is something she wishes everyone knew when it comes to cross-dressing? For example, what should be common sense that people usually do not understand? Ooh. Nice. I'm going to go to the big three. Please do. Okay. Number one, cross-dressing does not equal drag queening. Mm. Number two, cross-dressing does not equal being gay. And number three, cross-dressing does not mean transitioning to female. Nice. Now, all those have caveats, because if you think about it, a drag queen is a cross-dresser because they're putting on the clothes of a different gender. Number two, there's nothing to prove. also an actor. An actor, performer. Yeah, they're a little more outrageous. And I would say the chances of them being a homosexual is probably (laughs) a high... 90%. Yeah. Versus a cross-dresser. Dang right. And it goes to that number two, which is cross-dressers are not gay. And by that, I mean, there is no higher percentage to say that a cross-dressing man is going to be more or less apt to be gay than anybody else. There's this stigma that oh, they just want to go into the little girl's bathroom right. and be all pervy, or they want to go into the women's room and be rapey. It's like yeah, you're more no. likely to get raped by someone you know, A. B, don't get me started. Let's, yeah. <laughs> B, I'm okay. Like, I'm and, like already frothing at the mouth. And B, part two, still don't get me started. Um, B, and, and D, bring mace. Bring mace. Yes. Uh, number three, the uh, transitioning. Yes, we know that people who end up affirming as female, men who affirm to be female, must have used cross-dressing as part of their discovery process. We are not discounting that. We are not saying that to be a cross-dresser means that, oh, absolutely, Savannah and Julie said that that's never going to happen. We are not saying any of those things. What we are saying is if somebody says, hi, I'm a lifelong cross-dresser, do not make those three assumptions right off the bat. Have those conversations, understand thyself, understand each other, do your research, do your self-reflection, and you will find that path or you'll be on that path. And those paths don't necessarily lead to being gay, being a drag queen, or being a woman. And this question was amazing because it links perfectly into the next question. Where was I? Back on track. 
regarding episode 26, gender and sexuality. Mm. The question I am sort of struggling with is if I want to, if I, if I being a straight male would end up dating or hit it off with a transgender male to female, would that make me bi or gay, especially if we hit it off well? I thought we were going to keep these light and airy. Wow. That's, um, <laughs> that goes back to like the one above the question mm-hmm. you just asked. I mean, you have to experiment and be open and actually go through that exploration process, which, you know, opens up a whole can of worms and choices if mm-hmm. you are already partnered up. Yeah. Yeah. It is something. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. I'm enjoying your your response. Uh, no, I'm enjoying your response. And it was a good thing you said all that because I was formulating what I wanted to say. Um, I, You're right. This is a very complex question to be answered simply, which it cannot be. Now, that being said, it really all depends on how you see it. If you are that straight male, and actually, you know what? Let me take a step back. And I've said this before. There was a meme I see once every six months on Facebook that says, will you date this transgender woman? And I, and I was thinking, I was like, well, I don't know, would I? As a straight male, if I met, let's say I met a beautiful woman and we started hitting it off and we started dating. And so a year later, let's say it was just casual. And they say, hey, by the way, um, I've had top and bomb surgery. I used to be a man. A year later. Look, listen, these things don't come out necessarily at day one. Right, so this goes out of your morals for like saying once, <sighs> once we get to know people and like it, it's clear that we're going to take it a step further. Like this is, I'm thinking the month one. Okay. All right. Do you want me to restate my, my premise? Sorry. I'm Julie. <laughs> you're Savannah. We're two separate people. Try not to judge. Continue. Okay. So I meet a girl. I hit it off. A month, a month, uh, her name is um, Dana. And your name is? Well, my name, Fifi LaRue. I need your name to be Fifi LaRue. No worries. And then a month down the road, we're sitting, having dinner in a restaurant. They say to Fifi, I used to be a man. Now, do you stop loving or liking that person because of what they used to be? That's number one. What are you defining? It's about the definition of like, well, I'm a, I'm a, in this case, I'm a straight male and I was attracted to this trans woman. Okay. Well, did you see them as a trans woman? Did you see them as a woman? It depends on how you see them. Who are you in love with? Are you only attracted to them because they look feminine and now you're turned off because you realize they used to be a man? Or is it really like, I'm in love with the spirit of that person? I am sexually attracted and romantically attracted to females. So if they're a trans person and they affirm as female, then I personally on a question and answer level would not say, oh, well, that makes you gay or that makes you bi because they used to be the same sex as that you. That makes you. Yeah. Right. And that's the whole point. They're saying, it's like, well, what does that make me if I'm attracted to trans females? I was like, I honestly would not label it. Because it's hard to understand. Right. If I'm if I'm dressed up as Savannah and Judy is out to dinner with me and she gives me a kiss, does that make her a lesbian? Nice. Nice. But does that all of a sudden make Judy a lesbian because I'm presenting as a woman? I mean, we put a lot of onus on sexuality and how it relates to what we're looking at. And I think sometimes these labels can be very self-destructive when it comes to, what does that make me if I like you? Well, I don't think it matters. I think as a culture, we just need to get, I mean, I used to, and I don't know, I used to have a lot of mental gymnastics going on because a part of my brain just, I couldn't, I had trouble really computing and understanding the whole mind is separate than heart is separate than actual organs. It was too much for me because so much of what we were taught growing up and so much of what we had to, I don't even want to say make peace with or avoid or just embrace or understand is just like the whole, like, are you gay? Are you not? Like even the term gay and then the term lesbian, even that gave me so much like, all right, but isn't a lesbian just, you're gay, but it doesn't, it's different. Like it's there's so much to it and there's mm-hmm. so many complexities and yeah so 
Basically, we can't answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, we went around in a circle saying that labels are difficult and sometimes can be destructive depending on how you see it. Um, yeah, I and, think you have to make your own decision. Right. And if you see, if you see um, hooking up with a trans female, if you see, like you said, like you have to make your own decisions. If you see that, if that makes you bisexual, then that makes you bisexual. If that's how you, the label that feels correct to right, you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right to you. And right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing makes you gay or bi is how you identify <laughs> depending on what you. Well, no, I'm saying in terms of like, well, this person's saying is like, if I date somebody who's not a cis female, does that make me gay or bi? And I think that like, if you were determining your sexuality based on your attraction to others, that's a label. It's how you self-identify in general that's more important and maybe not needing a label at all. And maybe this, the answers to your question created more questions in your head or left you more confused. Cause I know that this episode made this person very confused and had, there's yeah. a lot that came up for them. And I think that it's just going to involve some self, some exploration and some, you know, reading about it and learning about it and, and figuring out what's true for you. Absolutely. Wow. Joy, this has been mind blowing for me. All these questions. Do you think we can pick this up next week? I think that would be amazing. I think these questions are too epic and too important to stick it all in one episode. So yes, let's come back. Let's okay. start fresh. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it again. So goodbye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, Copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. Please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.